This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. Hi, I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is WBEZ's Weekly News Roundup. Each week, we bring you two great journalists to take you inside the biggest local and state stories of the week. Stories like a pinpoint of light at the end of the pandemic tunnel. I could not be more thrilled to introduce the five people who are doing Chicago's first vaccinating and the five people who are receiving the first vaccines in Chicago. While friends and neighbors continue to die at an alarming rate. Since yesterday, we have received reports of 181 new individuals who have lost their battle with COVID. Hard times for the state's budget. Governor J.B. Pritzker announced about $700 million in budget cuts. While regular people and local governments await help from Congress. Congress appears to be on the verge of making a deal on a coronavirus relief package. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says it's highly likely that senators will work through the weekend to come to an agreement. Joining us this week around the virtual table is Don Rhodes. She's a senior editor at Block Club Chicago. Dawn, welcome to Reset. Hi, Sasha. How are you? Doing very well. Nice to talk with you. Also with us, WTTW political correspondent and host, Paris Schutz. Paris, welcome back. Sasha, welcome to Chicago. Nice to meet you over the phone. Thank you so much. Can't wait to meet you all in person, but here we are. Uh, I want to start with the latest on COVID-19 in our region. Yesterday, Illinois reported 8,828 new cases of the virus and 181 more deaths. Paris, Vaccine distribution, as we've talked about, is underway. How's it going? Well, I mean, as you heard earlier, the Illinois got its 109,000 doses that it was scheduled to get, but uh, now it's kind of up in the air. And uh, Pfizer put out a statement saying, well, we've got a couple million doses sitting in warehouses, and we're waiting for instructions on where to send them. Governor Pritzker and uh, many other states' governors have said, we're not getting the future doses that we thought we were promised, and the federal government says, well, no, there's nothing wrong. So there's a lot of confusion right now. It echoes kind of what happened in the very beginning of the pandemic, where states were kind of left on their own to figure out PPE and testing. I mean, there was there was really no coordination from the federal government. So I think we're going to have to see whether whether the next few weeks uh, it, it smooths out or, or it, it continues to be kind of chaotic. So, Paris, we've got healthcare workers getting vaccinated. People at high risk are also being given top priority for the vaccine. Who can expect to get it next? For the next few weeks, at least, uh, exclusively healthcare workers getting it, maybe uh, trickling into some nursing homes. But even that is still sort of being figured out by the CDC and, and by the state. Don. Loretto Hospital on the west side was the first to uh, administer the vaccine in Chicago. And it was a real moment of celebration. All right. First five vaccinations done. 
Thank you. Yeah, it sure was. I mean, in part because, I mean, as we all know, the South and West sides have been disproportionately hit by the pandemic, not just in terms of rates of infection and death rates, but certainly in terms of the economic fallout. So um, it was definitely symbolic for a hospital on the West side that serves a lot of these uh, disadvantaged communities and people who are most susceptible to the disease to be the first place to uh, give out the vaccination. And it was especially significant as well that a Latina doctor was the first one to receive the vaccination. And she talked about that. Governor Pritzker says that the state is uh, preparing for smaller shipments of the Pfizer vaccine than previously expected. Paris, can you talk about what's going on at the federal level? I don't know that anyone really knows what's going on at the federal level because they say that that's not true, that uh, every state is getting the uh, allotments that were promised, uh, but it's not just Governor Pritzker. You're the governor of uh, Maryland, Governor Hogan, saying the same things that we're preparing for less than we thought we were promised. And like I said earlier, Pfizer says it's not it's not because of a shortage of uh, production or distribution. We have them sitting in the warehouse, both in Kalamazoo and, and right across the border in Wisconsin, and they just need a home. So Governor Pritzker said he, he's still trying to figure out the answer to uh, why it appears that they're going to get about half in the next uh, couple of weeks than, than they thought they were. Well, for all the fanfare about vaccines, we are still seeing record-breaking numbers of cases and deaths in Illinois. More than 100 people have died each day for the last 10 days. Here's Dr. Ngozi Ezeke yesterday. That's Thursday the 17th. Today we are reporting 8,828 new individuals that were diagnosed with COVID for the first time. Since yesterday, we have received reports of 181 new individuals who have lost their battle with COVID. Goodness, um, when she lays it out like that, it's, it's, it's so yeah. disheartening. You know, as we head into the holidays, public health officials are pleading with residents to double down on mask wearing and, and social distancing. But thousands are expected to travel in the coming weeks. Paris, when can we expect things to get back to normal? Not anytime soon, not probably until the summer, as you heard President-elect Biden wants a 100-day mask mandate. And so this kind of echoes what happened in Thanksgiving, where people traveled and they got together, maybe not in the same numbers that they did last year, but still in numbers that were uncomfortable for public health officials. At least in Illinois, the test positivity rate has remained relatively stable since Thanksgiving. In fact, it's gone down a bit. It's around 10%. But the death rate, as you heard, I mean, it's terrible. It's tragic, 181 deaths. It's between 150 and 200 every day now, which which still means we're in the peak of the death toll here. Mm-hmm. As we keep reporting the progression of the disease is that just dozens and dozens of people each day are dying from this. And I, we we count almost 3000 just in the past couple of weeks. And I think in a way we're starting, you know, some of us are starting to get numbers fatigue and it's it's not resonating yes. with um with us as much because maybe we're just getting a little bit too used to it i i, I don't know but i think that's just a startling number three thousand just in the last couple of weeks just within this month really and well yeah, we we got, got a letter from a viewer saying please don't round up or down the number of cases and deaths these are human yeah. lives mm-hmm. you know right. give the exact number and and we took that to heart because I mean, we've been doing this now for 10 months reporting it yeah. every day and we're like, you're absolutely right. I mean, these are lives. They're not numbers. And they should not be rounded up or down. And we need That's to give right. you the exact number every day. That's such a great point. Let's shift gears a little bit. This week, Governor Pritzker announced more than $700 million in budget cuts 
That includes proposed furlough days, hiring freezes, and more. These are cuts that are under my control to make as governor without help from the General Assembly. But make no mistake, legislative action and engagement is required. Paris, Governor Pritzker had been counting on his graduated income tax proposal to help actually close that budget gap, but voters ultimately rejected the measure. And boy, he wants everyone to know that and remind everyone of that. And he, you know, he blames Republicans for uh, a very you know, vocal campaign opposing that graduated income tax, which would have brought in about a billion and a half this year. Now, the state's staring down about a $4 billion deficit, and it's hoping the federal government comes through with uh, additional stimulus funding, but it certainly doesn't look like that's going to happen. And, and now, you know, he's kind of putting the ball back in the Republicans' court. He's saying, okay, you didn't want the graduated income tax amendment. You said we should cut. Tell me what to cut. And they haven't really said you know, what they want to cut. It's, it's politically okay. popular to say we want cuts and no tax hikes. But then when you have to uh, specify what you want cut, it's much less politically popular. Well, the governor attributed about half of the deficit to a, a revenue shortfall from the pandemic. Don, talk about the impact that we're seeing on local businesses and restaurants. Yeah, almost every week we're writing a story about a restaurant or a business that has been forced to close just because they just can't survive. They can't. And uh, we've written about restaurants that are choosing to close through the winter and then hope hope to reopen in the summer because, or excuse me, in the spring or summer um, and just ride out the winter. Yeah. Um, so that's one strategy that we've seen. It's devastating. And in addition to that, you know, that um, live venues have really struggled because those have just been closed for months now. So there's right. just no income and no relief coming from the federal government, despite many, many campaigns and pleas. So the sad reality is our communities are already going to look very, already looking very different now than they did six, eight months ago. And they're going to look very different in another six months because um, some businesses were able to get by through outdoor dining and things like that and get yeah. creative. And we've written stories about that too. But the winter, you know, yeah. the, the winter is only going to slow things down more and it's only going to be more of a struggle. So it's only going to get worse for a well, lot of a, a lot of communities. Well, yeah, you bring up some great points. You know, congressional Democrats have been pushing for local and state aid as part of a second COVID-19 stimulus package and That's negotiations right. have been dragging on for weeks. So, Paris, where do things stand? Well, it, it seems to change by the hour, but uh, we've been hearing for days that the consensus is they're going to pass something that's worth about $900 billion. It will include individual checks and unemployment uh, enhancements, but nothing for state and local governments. It's not a total loss, though. It, it, there will be money for CPS. There will be money for transit agencies to keep them running on the same schedules, at least until the first quarter, through the first quarter of next year. But, you know, you heard the budget deficit number we, we talked about with the state, $4 billion. Yeah. The city just balanced a $1.2 billion budget deficit. There is a $160 billion bill sitting in Congress that they siphoned off of this uh, relief bill because it, it just didn't have any Republican support. And it's hard to imagine that anything happens on that bill, for, and that's all for state and local governments, because Republicans have signaled that that's not something they're in favor of. So. Biden says he is in favor of it. It would stand a much better chance if the Democrats get those two seats in Georgia. If they don't, I think it seems like Chicago and Illinois and other municipalities are kind of on their own. That's WTTW's Paris Schutz. He's with us this week along with Don Rhodes of Block Club Chicago. 
Now, Don, Paris, there were plenty of other big stories this week, stories like these. Mayor Lori Lightfoot did some soul-searching and fact-finding over the past 24 hours about the wrongful raid on Anjanette Young's home. The mayor promising an investigation and proposing reforms. A victim who reaches out shouldn't have to file a FOIA request, should just get the information that they seek. We made a mistake. If that was your mother... How would you want her to be treated? A state labor board has rejected an effort by the union that likely would have delayed next month's scheduled reopening plan for Chicago public schools. Over the past few weeks, Vice President-elect Harris and I have been announcing nominees to our cabinet. And today, for Secretary of Transportation, I nominate Mayor Pete Buttigieg. I want to talk about the fallout from the botched Chicago police raid on the home of Anjanette Young. Cops broke down the door to the wrong home and handcuffed this woman, naked, while the guy they were looking for was on an electronic monitor a few apartments away. Don, how the heck did this happen? Well, I mean, first, um, I want to make sure that we credit uh, the reporters at CBS Chicago who brought this to light, and certainly Anjanette Young for being brave enough to share this story. But they were able to track through their reporting that the police had the wrong home, and it wasn't that hard for them to figure out who they were actually looking for. And this person was on electronic monitoring. So, I mean, there was no reason for them to be breaking into her home. Beyond all that, as many people would have seen by now, I mean, Anjanette was getting ready for bed and she was in a very vulnerable um, position in her in her home. And police body cams are activated and she's handcuffed, naked, and not being able to cover up. And just, just a really yeah. prolonged horrible traumatic 20 minutes for 20 minutes and she's telling them dozens of times you have the wrong home and you know she's alone and she doesn't know why they're there she doesn't know what they're looking for so it was just a really really awful situation that that she went through well Anjanette Young says that she is actually still dealing with the trauma from that incident their job is to serve and protect well they didn't do that for me they didn't serve me they didn't protect me they didn't care about me. And so, yes, I would, I want accountability. If you ask me, what do I want from this? I want accountability. It's been 22 long months of this. Paris, talk about the lengths that the city has actually gone to keep this video from coming out. Well, that's the other stunning part about this, uh, because Lori Lightfoot came to political prominence because of the same thing with Laquan McDonald when Mayor Emanuel fought the release of that video, and there was huge fallout, and he picked Lori Lightfoot to lead his police reform efforts. And she called out Emanuel for not adopting all of those police reforms. So fast forward to now, we discover that her own corporation counsel goes to court and tries to block CBS2, a news organization, from airing this video. It it, it defies logic why you would try to do that. You're never going to win that case on First Amendment grounds. And further, it appears they, they tried to sanction Anjanette Young because there was some kind of protective order on that video. What does it, this do it, for it, Lightfoot's campaign on, on promises of transparency? Well, it, it blows all of those up. And, and she, uh, to her credit, you know, issued a mea culpa this week. But also, you know, really confusing because she says she hadn't heard about this until the video came out. And then she had to come back yesterday and said, OK, it turns out there were emails flagging me on this, and I just don't recall them. So so she had to, you know, issue a real mea culpa. But, the, you know, this happened under Emanuel. This didn't happen under her. It's just th- this fallout here 
the Lightfoot administration shot themselves in the foot. Yeah. And, and so did the Corporation Counsel, Mark Flesner, who's under fire now. And she's not committal on whether he is going to keep his job or not. But, you know, he's the one that apparently went and, and, and tried to fight the release of this video. Well, well, as you've pointed out, the mayor's narrative around this whole incident, it's shifted in the last couple of days. Yeah. First, she said she didn't know what happened to Anjanette Young until CBS aired the story. The reporter there was Dave Savini. Now she says she was told about it, but didn't recall. It's been... Painful, painful and upsetting. But... I think this gives us an opportunity to look at what happened from top to bottom. There's a lot of trust that's been breached, and I know that there's a lot of trust in me that's been breached, and that I have a responsibility to build back that trust. There's still some digging to ascertain what the mayor knew when she knew it, because as you said, within 24 hours, really, her narrative on this shifted because she was adamant that she did not know anything about the case. She didn't know anything about there being body cam video. And she definitely didn't know anything about her city lawyers going to court to try to block CBS from airing any of this. Within a day, you know, the only thing that she was saying that she didn't know anything about was that she didn't realize there was a video, but she had been made aware of it. But she has said that she's going to release some of the emails that uh, went back and forth to that established that she had been um, alerted to it. And Jeanette uh, and her attorney have said that they you know, are planning a lawsuit. I'm not sure if that has been filed yet. So I think there's still more to come here. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, she did say she did make a very public appeal, you know, saying as a black woman, you know, she, I, I I get it. I understand. As Paris said, I mean, you know, the her administration really has kind of shot themselves in the foot in terms yeah. of their handling of this and has really undermined trust for a lot of people yeah. because of their handling of this. The whole thing really just should never have happened. I want to turn now to Chicago Public Schools. Yesterday, uh, a state labor board rejected a bid by the teachers union to stop schools from reopening for in-person learning. Paris, what can you tell us about the decision? Well, I mean, the teachers union argued that uh, the CPS cannot just make this decision unilaterally to, to go back to in-person learning, uh, that it should be collectively bargained. The labor board, uh, by a two-to-one vote, said, no, you have a contract. You've already done your collective bargaining. This doesn't violate that. So now CTU says they're going to take this to court. They don't trust that CPS is going to take all the protective measures it needs. Uh, to keep teachers and students safe. You know, CPS says we've improved the ventilation in all of our schools. And, and by the way, I mean, and I know you're going to get into this, it seems like only 77,000 of 300-plus thousand kids are going to actually go back. So it doesn't look like that many folks are buying in. Although, I mean, it starts in January with the cluster learning in pre-K and then in February, uh, K through 8. So, you know, CT yes. CT says they're going to keep fighting. How are they going to move forward here? Because there's a history of bad blood, right, between the mayor and the CTU, Paris? Yeah, there's a history of bad blood. There was the longest strike in, in education labor history in Chicago. Uh, I don't know what legal remedy they really have, though. I mean, they have a contract, and labor board said, you know, this is not something that needs to be collectively bargained. Let's shift gears uh, here uh, for time. President-elect Joe Biden announced Pete Buttigieg as his pick for transportation chief. On Wednesday, the former South Bend mayor talked about his personal connection to Chicago's O'Hare International Airport. Travel, in my mind, is synonymous with growth, with adventure, even love, so much so that I proposed to my husband, Chaston, in an airport terminal. So don't let anybody tell you that O'Hare isn't romantic. 
Don, this is great press for O'Hare, right? It is. <laughs> I have to admit, I have to admit that that's like that O'Hare might be the last place that I would want to be proposed to at. But, you know, <laughs> go off, whatever, <laughs> you know, whatever works for you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, right. Within an hour, I, be- I believe O'Hare uh, changed their official profile to say that, that they're now the pr- place of romance. <laughs> um, city, wow. So it is excellent. For us, but um, there's probably a Twitter handle already, too. Right. I would be shocked if there isn't, but it wouldn't be for me. But, you know, it worked yeah. for a lot of people. It worked for a lot of people. Well, Paris, you know, there was a lot of speculation about this transportation job saying that it was going to mm. go to former Chicago Mayor Rahm Emanuel. What happened? Oh, and boy, did he want it. I mean, according to all the reporting, he was lobbying heavy to get this job. It's an important role in the cabinet. It's in charge of, you know, very important policy and billions and billions of dollars. But, you know, he got intense pushback from the progressive wing of the party, uh, specifically from uh, New York Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez, because of his handling of the release of the Laquan McDonald video. That was a non-starter for the progressive wing. It didn't seem like Biden wanted to die on that hill. I think he did want Rahm Emanuel in his cabinet. I mean, I think he uh, respects Emanuel's political acumen and his, his abilities. Yeah. But... You need that you have a tenuous alignment here with the progressive wing of your party that you're going to need. So why poison the well on something like this when you know you go with uh, Mayor Buttigieg, who by all accounts is capable. You had former Transportation Secretary LaHood, who by the way lobbied for Emanuel, saying, "Oh, you know, Buttigieg is pretty good too." And Rahm Emanuel would be a deeply unpopular choice in for a lot of Chicagoans too. So. <laughs> Well, real quick, I want to touch on another story out of Springfield. A House probe into powerful Speaker Michael Madigan was shut down this week. Republicans launched the investigation in response to the ComEd bribery scandal. The latest on that, Paris? Well, I mean, it was kind of a show uh, investigation, and the Republicans wanted to subpoena Mike Madigan to testify himself, and Democrats shut that down. You know, Democrats have super majorities, so whatever they want to happen is going to happen there. And Mike Madigan made the point uh, that you did get all these emails with Mike McLean trying to arrange all these jobs, but also one mm-hmm. of them showed that uh, the Republican leader, uh, Jim Durkin, uh, tried to uh, arrange a job as well. So to quote the Godfather, we're all part of the same hypocrisy here. I mean, that's what Madigan wanted to get out of that. The bottom line is he still wants to be speaker. No one else has the votes at this point to supplant him, even though he doesn't have enough votes to win. And it's just going to be very interesting what that's going to look like in January when that vote for speaker comes down. Well, well, speaking of that, Don, at least 19 House members have publicly said they won't vote for Madigan next month. So real brief, will the end of this probe have any impact on his reelection bid? It would be stunning for him not to be reelected. <laughs> I mean, so it, it could. The fact that it's gotten this far and that many reps are willing to not vote for him. I mean, that's that's pretty notable in and of itself. I, I would still be shocked if it did. I mean, but it's already having an effect, it seems. That's Don Rhodes from Block Club Chicago, also with us this week on The Roundup, WTTW's Paris Shuts. Don, Paris, thanks for being here. And that's a wrap for WBEZ's weekly news roundup. Keep your eyes on this podcast feed this weekend. 
Saturday, Sarah Karp and the rest of WBEZ's education team take you inside a Chicago public school classroom as teachers and students work through remote learning. Then Sunday, the best COVID-19 Q&A in Podland with infectious disease specialist Dr. Mia Teramina. You don't want to miss either one of those special weekend podcasts. Until then, I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll meet again soon. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.